Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with David Nallieri, director and producer of the new documentary, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. This it's documentary will appear in theaters for two days only, October 3rd and 4th. But before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the Bishop's mind. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. We're still kind of coasting on the many graces of the Christ Our Life conference yes. last week. I think it was an infusion of spirit for many of us. Obviously, the, the speakers, Father John Ricardo, Christophonic, mm-hmm. and many others. But I think just the people, their great devotion to the Eucharist and all that we're mm-hmm. about, it was really powerful. And Very you were there not only taking it all in, <laughs> but uh, I wonder if your arms have recovered. <laughs> yeah. Since you're kind of a videographer now, and you were filming most of all of the events there. Yeah, I was walking out. It's a gimbal. You hold it up. It's for people who weren't there. And so it's working okay. your arms and your core. But yeah, it's a, a good... gimbal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that like something that was on the Apollo <laughs> <laughs> spaceships? I mean, my husband, yeah, it's very important. my husband would have told me. The, gim- the gimbal's very important. He's into the whole <laughs> yeah. space thing. Yeah. Oh, I will let him know. He's very into NASA. So. Yeah. No, I, I remember the gimbal appearing in the movie <laughs> Apollo 13. So anyway, but, yeah, yes. but your gimbal was working. Yes, it was. My arms and my cords. <laughs> okay. No, we were very inspired by all that happened there. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out in people's lives. But yeah. uh, so mm-hmm. two years from now. So all that work, thanks to the conference, Marilyn Lane and Ellen Miller, obviously. And, uh, you know, I was kind of struck by many things, but as we move into the month of the Rosary, October and the month of Mary, you know, Matt Frad talking about trying to get his family to pray the rosary and not to be oh, and not to be so fascist and like we're going to pray the perfect rosary here and everything. But how somebody's kids is kneeling yeah. on let blast. kids be kids, you know. And if I remember with my brothers, you know, you know, we're we're kind of all with our face in our own chairs, kneeling, you know, or in the couch, you know, and trying to you know make each other laugh sometimes too. So my parents weathered all of that, so it was beautiful. But uh, oh, good. Uh, we know we're grateful for the ongoing sponsorship of the St. Sarah Club, promoting vocations to religious life and priesthood. And they do not only sponsor this show, but their their annual priest appreciation picnic this past Monday at Walnut Woods State Park. It's always a, a festive time, a time just to enjoy each other. They take into account the the, the priests from different countries, so there's international cuisine to go along with the good oh, old nice. Iowa, right. you know, smoked mammals and other <laughs> things that we eat. You know. Correct. Yeah, brats and everything else to go with that. So very beautiful. So... Um, <laughs> You know, the uh, some new experiences that we're looking forward to. I'm going to be able to celebrate my first sensory mass this coming oh, Sunday right. at uh, Sheraton Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. And Patty Orger of our Office of mm-hmm. Persons with Disabilities and everything else has helped to arrange that. So uh, Father John Ludwig had celebrated one at St. Ambrose Cathedral mm-hmm. a few months ago. But the, the sensory mass, sensory friendly family inclusion. And I believe this is going to be one of the parish masses. So I wonder how this will play out. Because normally they have lower lights and softer music. Uh, the homily that's on me to make it shorter and more literal, <laughs> you know, and to hopefully speak with images and a scripture from a lectionary that's easier to understand. So, to welcome and embrace members of the church with autism, Down syndrome, developmental, intellectual dementia, and other disabilities. So, periodically we'll do this, but this is my privilege to, to do this. And the Knights of Columbus will be there. And I'm not sure, you know, I kind of, these new experiences that I step into, they're going to have a, a bike ride in the Knights of Columbus. Now, mm-hmm. they say it's only 10 miles afterwards, and then there's a picnic or something mm-hmm. going on. So, more smoked mammals, probably. You know? <laughs> <That's> correct. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, yeah, 10 miles. Hog on a spit. Yeah, yeah. You got, you got to work up to it a little bit, you know? I mean, so... 
So maybe I'll co- you know come early and do an extra twenty or <laughs> twenty thirty-two. So although instead of a sock like rail, like kind of like rock. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, it's going to be on our. Oh, I that's, wish I had. I, I wish I had my cross bike for that. Thought and, that's uh, what I read. Yeah. Well, I better. Not, you know, I've got these. I've got the. Uh, oh yeah. The Gator tires, so hopefully go. there'll be no flats for this <laughs> yes. as well. So, yeah. But uh, we're, you know, we're happy. Uh, last week and also we acknowledged my uh, weekend for migrants and refugees. We know New York Archdiocese Cardinal Dolan was speaking uh, on behalf of those six thousand who were brought there from Texas and everything else. Just reminding us, never more proud and grateful how Catholic Charities rose to the need. These are people. They're here. We see and love them. The church has helped them along the way. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll visit with David Nallielieri, director and producer of the new documentary, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. This will appear in theaters for two days only, October 3rd and 4th. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. St. Vincent de Paul helps so many people. You're right, Zoe. St. Vincent de Paul Executive Director Steve Havman here. We are serving over 32,000 local residents with food, clothing, furniture, and financial assistance annually. We invite you to learn more about all of our life-changing programs that positively impact so many Iowans by simply Googling St. Vincent de Paul of Des Moines. Our mission is to help those in need become self-sufficient through education, community connectedness, and unconditional support. Help us help others. Even kids! Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarah strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, join s-e-r-r-a.org. Thank you, Sarahs, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Jones. And today we're visiting with David Nallieri, director and producer of the new documentary, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. This documentary will appear in theaters for two days only, October 3rd and 4th. Tickets can be purchased at fathomevents.com. And I understand, Kelly, that this will be appearing in the Des Moines metro area. That's correct. The Mark Jordan Creek at Altoona and the Ames Theaters as well. So yes. all connected. So mm-hmm. uh, very um, uh, mainstream theaters. And so that's great. That'll make it, I think, uh, you know, viewing friendly for our, our listeners right. and others who might want to be part of this. So, Mr. Nallieri, welcome. Thank you for being part of uh, our show today, making it personal. Uh, you know, if I may call you David, we'll go that route. But uh, uh, appreciate just the chance to yes, visit with you. Be. And, and uh, on, on a show like this, we always love to hear a little bit more on, on the background. Uh, my understanding is, you know, yes, you, you, a good body of your work is with religious themes and everything else. But you have broader interests, you know, your, your documentary on the first president of the Republic of Vietnam, other topics as well. But can you just talk about the, the kind of trajectory of your own work and your, your formation in cinematography? and others in direction and uh, how, you know, this has led you to the Mother Teresa piece. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I've, uh, I've been working in this field for coming up on 20 years now. Time flies. Um, I got my, initially, I, uh, I was interested as a young man in pursuing a career perhaps uh, in the State Department, international relations. I got a degree in history and then international relations. And then did internship back in 2003 at the UN Holy See Mission. Met some young people there who told me about a new startup Catholic TV station in Canada, and I was salt on my television. So, in 2004, that summer, 
I was 24 years old. I went up for just a summer internship to spend a couple months. I was Catholic and um, interested also in bringing my faith into the into my work, into my craft. But my interest and focus was on for international relations. But uh, basically, that summer I kind of found my vocation, and I really enjoyed the process of TV production. I really enjoyed um, that aspect of journalism, and then developed over about five years stay at, in Toronto um, the, the the craft of documentary film. So I produced some early documentaries defending Opus Day from the attacks that leveled at them in the Da Vinci Code. I produced a documentary on um, Pope Pius XII and the Holocaust. Um, and then also a documentary on uh, Colonel Von Tuan, who had spent many years uh, in a communist prison in Vietnam. So those films kind of helped form an interest on my part in producing documentaries that tell our story, tell the story of our faith and help Catholics have a better understanding of their history and their identity. Um, and in 2009, I was hired by Supreme Knight Carl Anderson to move to New Haven, work for the Supreme Council of the Knights of Columbus and oversee film and video production. And over the past 13 years, we've produced many documentary films along the same lines. I help evangelize culture, um, helping inform Catholics, inspire Catholics. So we've produced documentaries on Our Lady of Guadalupe, on the Divine Mercy Devotion, several films on Pope John Paul II, and a year ago, um, very enthusiastic to have been asked by the new Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly to produce a documentary on St. Mother Teresa, and it was, uh, it was very, much, very much like my whole career has been working up to this opportunity, um, and this is very much, I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest challenges, and, and hopefully when viewers watch it after October 3rd and 4th, view it as one of the biggest successes, not really because of my work, but because um, this film captures the identity, and hear the words, and see the, the work of the Missionaries of Charity and the Mother Teresa, which um, is so inspiring, and it was a great privilege for me to work on this film. Fascinating. So, I mean, kind of your own vocational discernment in all this and the international relations and pieces of that as well. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, Bishop Barron and others have said, you know, one of the things that as Catholics that we don't do that well is to kind of tell our story and, and you know, and we let others kind of control the narrative so often. And so it sounds to me like there's partly a kind of an apologetic uh, uh, goal in some of what you've done, but uh, now as it's evolved and things, you know, working with the Knights too and St. Joseph, I don't know if you've done a piece on Father Michael McGivney, now blessed uh, as well, and St. Junipero Serra, too. But uh, how, you know, I mean, these are not just like uh, corporate promotional videos for, for, you know, Catholic Church Inc., you know, in, the, in a way, but uh, really trying to bring the personal story out. How, you know, how is your own discernment and your own attunement to, you know, the, allowing the, the story to be told on its own merits? And, yeah, obviously you're working with a canonized saint when it's Mother Teresa, but that, you know, not to simply get into hagiography, you know, this kind of, you know, uh, exaltation of a saint almost, you know, that uh, is, is then retroactively, you know, put back upon all the, the life story as it's unfolding. So uh, I, I, there's a question in there, and I don't know if it's clear or not. Yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, I think when we set out to produce this film, we wanted to make a documentary um, 
that would uphold the highest standards of documentary filmmaking, so something that would be on a production value on par with something you might see on Netflix or you might see on HBO or on Showtime. I do think for new generations of young people, I think a lot of times production quality is synonymous with uh, authenticity, hmm. and that's why I think it's very important to strive for excellence in terms of uh, in terms of just all the technical aspects of the craft and also the storytelling ability. So that was certainly the goal we held out for ourselves. And then, you know, we had to make some key decisions. So there's no narrator in this documentary. So I didn't want some voice of God telling you <laughs> what to think about Mother Teresa. So there's no, there's no, and, um, and, and, and the film really. This is not NFL films, that is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. It really was in flashbacks. So we have dramatic, um, dramatic reenactments of Mother Teresa's life and biography. So you get all the essential aspects and dates and um, the key moments in her life as she, you know, grows up and discerns a vocation first to the Loretto sisters and then later this call within a call to serve the poorest of the poor and the darkest souls of the world. Um, we canvassed archives all around the world and found a lot of fascinating interview snippets of Mother Teresa. So you hear a lot of from herself directly. And then lastly, I think perhaps most importantly, we decided that we wanted the film to not And so we traveled to 10 different countries, filmed on five continents, and we had unprecedented access to the uh, apostolate works of the missionaries of charity. So we're filming in Tijuana, Mexico, with their work with migrants and refugees. We had drone cameras following the missionaries of charity on boats as they travel down the Amazon River and the jungles, uh, way out visiting indigenous tribes that have no access to the outside world. We were in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya, where they work with severely disabled children. So you see all the incredible work that missionaries of charity do, finding Jesus, the face of Jesus and the poorest of the poor. And, and through that, you see the ongoing impact of Mother Teresa. And you, you can see visually um, her living witness. And, uh, and the sisters beautifully give voice to that as well. So the film... Um, Excuse the me, film was, were there, was there any reluctance? That way. Was there any reluctance on the part of the sisters? I mean, they're so self-effacing. Oh, humble, tremendous amount of reluctance. In fact, it, it's interesting because the, the missionaries of charity say when we inter interviewed them, they would often say this is their greatest sacrifice, <laughs> which is quite striking and convicting, right? Because typically in today's culture to get a camera crew come in and set up lights and put you in front of the camera, um, that would be something exciting. That would be something, hey, I, I have value. People want to listen to me. But for them, it's the greatest sacrifice because of just this tremendous humility and because their vocation is to serve the course of the poor. And that's another reason why I encourage people to come out and see this film, because you probably will never see another film like this, at least not in our lifetime. And I say that just because the missionaries of charity are not publicity seekers. They're not going out and inviting journalists and filmmakers to come and document their work. So to have them open, open their hearts, open their homes up to our cameras to see uh, was just an incredible opportunity. And to capture some just really moving and inspiring footage. Did you have to uh, kind of really uh, prevail upon them? Was there a period of discernment before they decided to open up the archives, or was that something that uh, you know you, you your your well, credentials well, your you your, your portfolio is well established, and it's like oh yes, absolutely, yeah. Mr. Nolier. <laughs> <laughs> well, similar to you, your grace, they, they follow um, the call of obedience, I think, in their vocation. <laughs> so obviously, you know, this decision to collaborate in this film came from the top, the leadership of the Missionaries of Charity. They had been looking and thinking about what to do following the death of Mother Teresa to help tell her story for a new generation. 
they had considered Hollywood. They uh, explored some scripts, explored some film ideas. They could never really find the actress they felt comfortable portraying Mother Teresa. Couldn't find a script they were comfortable with. A few years ago, they started thinking about a documentary, and I had uh, written and directed a documentary with the Knights of Columbus uh, liberating a continent, John Paul II and the fall of communism. And the leadership of the Missionaries of Charity, in particular, thought of Brian Kowalczyk, who is the uh, postulator for Mother Teresa's cause for canonization. They really liked that film, and they said, this is the route for us to go. So they started thinking about a documentary. So in a roundabout way to answer your question, you know, the leadership of the mission, uh, Missionaries of Charity really saw value in this, communicated that, obviously, to, to the sisters and to the various homes, um, and, 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 and they opened up, uh, it up to us. But, but this is not what they're born to do. And, uh, you know, Mother Teresa also suffered the fame of celebrity, and we explore that in the film as well. She would often say, every photograph, the soul gets released in purgatory. Um, because for her, <laughs> it was a suffering. Uh, but something she's willing to give up in order to offer up for the poor. So not to adopt a hermeneutic of suspicion here, but just uh, was there anything that, you know, you, they, they asked to be edited out or anything you know, that, that maybe you thought, oh, we're not going to go there. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, the uh, documentary many years ago uh, into a great silence of the Kamalalese monks, you know, that three hour mini retreat of watching that. But they they purposely did not show the, the monks and the great deal of work they do on their computers, you know, on, on the Internet and everything else. So they, you know, kind of created this impression and it wasn't a false one but it was selective were there any things that uh, you had to make those editorial decisions not a tremendous amount you know i'm trying to think back um i found the missionaries of charity very easy to work with and uh you know the film is really it's really the voice of mother Teresa. because like i said we have a tremendous amount of snippets and interviews that she gave so you hear directly from her and then in terms of the, you know, the works that they do, you know, we were allowed to turn the camera on and follow it. Um, obviously, we want to be respectful of the people they serve, but there's so much trust that they have in the missionaries of charity that they were more than happy uh, to allow us to film. And I've, I have a lot of experience trying to film sometimes in different settings with, uh, with homeless people and others that are, are a little distrusting and, and, and worrisome with cameras, and so oftentimes they're not comfortable. But the, because the missionaries of charity were asking, we were, we were given that permission. I'll tell you one story. I traveled down to Rio de Janeiro. Uh, there's an area outside Rio called uh, Cracolandia, or Crackland in, in, in English. Hmm. And this is a location on the train tracks where the drug dealers uh, sell drugs and where drug addicts um, will live. And it's such abject squalor. These people are not even allowed into the, the favelas, the slums. Wow. So this is really, really the wow. darkest holes and the poorest of the poor. And we followed missionaries of charity there. Now, they had to make a deal with uh, the drug lords that run this area in order for us to film. Um, and so because they respect the sisters and respect the work they do, there was about a 30, 45-minute window we were given where they put away their guns, they put away the drugs, and we were allowed to go in and film the work that they do. So just, that just goes to show kind of sometimes what goes behind these wow, efforts. Wow, the drama. And also, also, I think, communicates the level of trust and love the missionaries and charity and gender, even with um, people like these, these drug lords that are running these, these slum areas. It's kind of, you know, the, the wolf will lie down with the lamb, you know, at least for a few moments, a, a blessed peace prevails, you know, and that how you were both the... the uh, witness of it but also perhaps just a little catalyst of that in your own way and so you know that there's a, a different way of being with each other so yeah uh 
you know, was her the the memoirs of her priest, uh, you know, advisor, "Come Be My Light." Was that uh, helpful to you at all, or not? Was her own you know, kind of the, the narrative of her own letters and yes. reflections? Yes, we do explore in the film um, the fact that. You know, famously, I think it's commonly known about the call within a call. Many people were of that aspect of her biography. 1946, September the 10th, she hears the voice of Jesus. And then, of course, what's not as widely known is that, is that that voice continues. She continues to have these interlocutions uh, and messages from Jesus that continues for a year or two um, and helps solidify this the authenticity of this call within a call, and eventually she's given approval by the Archbishop of Calcutta and by the Vatican to begin her work. But then, of course, uh, the fact that she goes through this 50-year-long dark night, a uh, period of great suffering, where she did not experience the love of God or did not feel it. And uh, we did explore that in the film. Father Brian Kowalczyk, uh, who you know, the author of uh, Come Be My Light, um, spoke about uh, this situation. And I, and I think it was very important because I think there's a lot of misinformation. You know, when I got assigned the documentary, I talked to people. And I had even a lot of very well-informed Catholic friends who were under the impression that she went through some great loss of faith or great trial of faith. And that really stems, I think, from some misunderstandings of, of some of the lines in her journal entries. Hmm. Uh, but really, it was a, a classic dark night of the soul. I mean, the difference, my understanding, between Mother Teresa's and some of the great saints of history, um, St. John of the Cross and Padre Pio and others, is that it was a, it did go for 50 years. Um, but ultimately, I think she was able to discern, a little with the help of uh, her spiritual advisors, that this was something God gave to her uh, as, a, as a means of purification as something to offer up uh, as an act of redemptive, redemptive, redemptive suffering and ultimately something that helped bond her to the poorest of the poor. Um, but it is a remarkable aspect of her life. That is Mr. Nellie, we're going to just pause for a little bit. This, and, and thank you for setting the record straight on that and really exposing that. So well, if you were willing to remain with us, we'll take a little break. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue to visit with David Nellieri about the documentary, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. You're listening to Making a Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsara.org, join S-E-R-R-A.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. At Intervisions Healthcare, we see patients with unplanned pregnancies from ages 12 to 43. An unplanned pregnancy is traumatic at any age. For that reason, we specialize in educating, encouraging, and empowering vulnerable and at-risk mothers facing an unexpected pregnancy with the medical information and services necessary for them to make an informed decision. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support our mission or become a volunteer, visit IVHcare.org.
Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We are talking about the documentary, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. This can be seen on October 3rd and 4th only. Tickets can be purchased at FathomEvents.com. This will be fo- airing in, we want to make sure to mention the Council Bluffs in Omaha area, AMC Council Bluffs 17, Majestic Cinema of Omaha, Twin Creek Cinemas in Omaha, and then, of course, in the Des Moines area, Jordan Creek, Altoona, and Ames. Yeah, Jen Brown at Spirit Catholic Radio would not forgive us unless we mentioned <laughs> right. the Council Bluffs. She was manning one of the booths at the Christ Our Life Conference as well. So great to be back with Mr. David Nallieri. Uh, uh, this this woman who, you know, yes, from a worldly perspective, you know, I mean, died 25 years ago, roughly the same time period as Princess Di. And so there was an immediate outpouring of grief, you know, from the Catholic uh, world, but, uh, you know, eclipsed very much by the, the media obsession with Princess Di and all that went on with that. But I don't think she probably minded, you know, <laughs> you know, her light uh, shining in a different realm of, of reality as well. But uh, she was a she was a woman, you know, again, never having any personal encounter with her. Uh, the, the one famous story of my priest, Father Scott Bullock, when he uh, was privileged to, to pray uh, with the sisters there in India and uh, thought, well, he'd just go up and sit close to her while she was making her holy hour early in the morning at 4.30. And uh, she suddenly turned to, aside and said, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> so he had to go back. <laughs> so, so she was meek and humble of heart, but uh, she had a definite sense, right? Of a, you know, and when she said her mind is something, she was an irresistible force. Is, how does that come out in the, in the documentary? And, and was that made more vivid for you in your, your work? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very good point. Obviously, that's a big aspect of her personality. You know, the first thing you said about her, you know, the, the, the memory of her and the, and the funeral and being overwhelmed a bit by... Uh, Princess Diana at the time, you know, in the end of the, toward the end of our documentary, we asked Jim Tui, who's a very close personal friend of hers, actually just published a book, and we asked him, you know, how does she want to be remembered? And he, he started to chuckle, and he, and he said, she doesn't. She doesn't want to be remembered, because it's all about Jesus. It was always all about Jesus. Um, and that comes through very much uh, in the film and a lot of the interviews I did, and the whole idea of uh, how humble she was. I was also struck, too, uh, one thing I learned in the process of making the film is that obviously she, she, gets, she emerges as very famous in 1969 when Malcolm Muggeridge travels to Calcutta, produces a documentary, uh, Something Beautiful for God, and also the book. Um, but Mother Teresa had rejected many, many requests from him to do the interview, to travel to Calcutta. And finally, Muggeridge went to the Cardinal Archbishop in England, who went to the Vatican, and the Vatican finally went to Mother Teresa and said, look, give him the interview, show him the work you're doing. So she was an incredibly humble woman. Uh, she suffered the celebrity, suffered the fame, uh, but she ultimately discerned that this was God's call to put her on the, to have her on the world stage, but she was going to use all that power to, for the poorest of the poor. And I think there's no better image or uh, moment that captures that power and that strength she had in 1979, the famous Nobel Peace Prize speech when standing up in front of all the global elite and world leaders where she, uh, where she says she thinks the poorest nations are those that have legalized abortion and where she called abortion the greatest destroyer of peace. That's a great uh, mm-hmm. you know, image of Mother Teresa in terms of her courage uh, to speak out in the church's moral truth. But that was always counterbalanced also by this tremendous sense of mercy and love and, and, and this non-judgmental aspect of her personality. And so in our film, we chronicle a lot of individuals who had transformative impact uh, moments with her. Uh, people caught up in drugs, people like Jim Wahlberg, one of the witnesses in our film, the older brother of the actor Mark Wahlberg, who was doing a nine-year prison sentence when Mother Teresa visited him. And he just communicated that he just felt because of the presence of a merciful, loving God through the presence of Mother Teresa. And her words is what, you know, inspired him to, to seek out uh, Jesus, to seek out a relationship with God. And, uh, and so Mother Teresa had this dual aspect of her personality, this very strong, 
um, on, you know, con- conviction about her faith and about the church's teachings. Amen. Um, and then Amen. also love. Unfortunately, Mr. Mayor, we we're reaching the end of our time, and you've made, uh, I think, uh, anyone listening is going to be stirred all the more next Monday and Tuesday, October 3rd and 4th, uh, to take in the documentary, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. Thank you for your craft and really uh, the, bringing this to light for us and, uh, you know, the, the quality that's tied to authenticity. So you, you've done a, the, the, the world of service. Get your tickets at Fathom Events. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.